Well, good morning. Well, I'm glad some of you are having a good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good, good. It's so good to see you. And uh, this morning, I'd like you to turn, if you would, in your New Testaments to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. And just keep your Bibles open to that passage. But uh, I'd like to share a statement with you as we begin today. If you think that the closer you get to God, the easier and more comfortable your life is going to become, you need to scratch that idea. If you think that becoming closer to God is just going to make life a whole lot easier and you're not going to have to deal with difficulties, you need to scratch that idea and embrace this one. The closer you get to God, the more significant your life will become. The closer you get to God, no matter what goes on, the more significant your life will become. And in fact, the more you become like Jesus, the more meaningful your life will be. You know, we know that our objective as Christians is to live a life like Jesus Christ. In fact, the word Christian means little Christ. It means little Christ. It means um, that we are Christ to the world around us. And if you don't think that's a a heavy load to lay on us, I mean, that's that's mind-boggling. And this is why it's so important that we discover what Jesus Christ is like as we read through the Gospels, as we not only follow His example, but allow Him to live His life in and through us, we actually have the potential to become like Jesus Christ, fully connected to God and used by Him in a mighty way. And so this morning, we're going to look at a passage that talks about how Jesus put His life together, how He approached priorities in His life, how He handled pressure. How many of you have some kind of pressure in your life right now? Anyone here? Every one of us. And you know, I used to think, well, if I get on to the next point in my life, you know, if I graduate from high school, it's going to be good. And I graduated from high school and I found out I had just as much pressure as I did before. And it went on and on and it's still going now in my life. Pressure is just always there. And these verses that we're going to look at today show us and tell us how Jesus kept his life in balance, how he handled all the pressure. And if we can learn how to apply that to us, it's going to help us in some very practical ways. So I'd like to read this passage. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they finally found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Jesus lived an incredibly productive, effective, significant, God-centered life. The very same kind of life that he's calling us to live as well. And he did it by approaching his life using three fundamental priorities. And I want us to look at those today. And these are things that he did in his life. And they are things that we can apply to our lives as well. First of all, he spent time alone with God. And uh, I'm going to ask for a favor. Could someone go grab a 
a cup of water and just bring it in to help a guy who's really struggling right now. <coughs> Pardon me. But he spent time alone with God. The Gospels reveal a pattern in Jesus' life. He consistently went away to be alone with God. For example, in Luke chapter 4, verse 42, it says, Now, when it was day, he departed, went into a deserted place. Luke 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. John 6, 15. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. And Matthew 14, 23. He went up into the hills by himself alone to pray. And in the verse that we looked at just a moment ago from our text, verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, in other words, it was still dark out, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And uh, I want you to give this man a hand right now. And thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus spent time alone with God. I want us to look at that little phrase, just word by word, so to speak, time. Not just minutes, but he would spend hours alone with God. A significant aspect and a significant part of his daily schedule was just to get time with God. Time alone, alone, think about that, in solitude, away from all the stuff that was going on, away from his disciples, away from the crowds, away from everyone. He spent time alone and then with God. And what was he doing there? Probably worshiping, praying, meditating, listening to God, talking to God. This was a, an absolutely important part of Jesus' lifestyle. Now, this is what I want you to consider. If Jesus needed time alone with God, how much more do you and I need time alone with God? If Jesus, who basically was God in the flesh, if he needed time alone, how many of you know we need time alone with God as well? And the truth is, time alone with God puts your life in order. Time alone with God puts your life in order. I discovered that early in my ministry. I pastored two churches for a total of almost 40 years, and then I've done, this is my fourth interim pastor since I retired. But I, I developed the habit of getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and going to the office and spending time there alone with God and doing my devotions and just spending time and then usually going home about 6 o'clock and having breakfast with my family. And, and, and I did this throughout my entire ministry. What was really neat about it, at 4 o'clock in the morning, you just don't have to get cleaned up to go to the office. I would just put on my grubbies and go in. I wouldn't comb. I wouldn't comb my hair. I wouldn't shave or anything. And I figure if anyone came to visit me at that hour or needed help, it wouldn't matter what I looked like. So I just uh, did that over my entire ministry, and it made a tremendous different difference in my ministry. Spending time alone with God, talking to Him about the details of your life, will absolutely help you develop a perspective on any situation. It's significant that Jesus departed to be alone to a solitary place. You see, why did he go away? Couldn't he just stay right where he was? Couldn't he pray there? Well, absolutely. You can pray anywhere, anytime, friends. But Jesus went away to be alone because he understood the importance of solitude. 
There's something about getting away from the noise of all the stuff going on in your world and focusing on what really matters. I've found that I have a great time these days. I drive in every Sunday morning from out in Lake Elsinore. And uh, on, on Sundays, I can get here fairly rapidly. A little over an hour is what it takes. But I have a lot of time, so I, I spend it praying. And same thing driving home. It, it's great. And Tuesday mornings when I come back for staff, I, I have this time alone with God. In fact, management guru... Um, Warren Bennis wrote these words, The leader should incorporate, incorporate a reflective arena into his or her structure so that time out for musing is mandatory. But listen to this. If people in authority stopped regularly to think about what they were doing, they would have the kinds of fresh insights they now pay consultants dearly for. He's saying, if you just slow down enough to, to, to think on your own, you wouldn't have to hire people. I, I want to encourage every one of you to follow this example of Jesus. Start building into your life and ultimately into every day when you can some time of solitude to get into the presence of God. And when you have the opportunity to get away for maybe an extended period of time, do that. And uh, I know that some of you, and I used to think this way myself, some of you are thinking, man, my life is already too full. I don't have time to add anything, even prayer, to my life. I understand the pressures of a busy life. But that's all the more reason to spend some time in prayer. You will be amazed at how praying at the beginning of your day will help you become more efficient and more effective in living out your priorities throughout the rest of the day. In fact, it was Martin Luther who's credited as saying, I have so much to do today that I should spend the first three hours in prayer. I love that. I have so much going on in my life today, I'm not going to be able to handle unless I get God's perspective on it. So I'm going to start the day that way. Prayer is a great, what I would call, prepare for the pressures that you're going to deal with the rest of the day. You know, Jesus had people just pressing in on him from everywhere, day and night. Crowds by the hundreds, even thousands, would follow him for days at a time to listen to him teach, to watch him perform miracles, the sick. The blind, the lame, they would come to him in great numbers asking to be healed. His enemies watched his every move, always looking for an opportunity to trip him up here and destroy his credibility over there and ultimately to take his life. For Jesus, life wasn't just church camp. You say that you have pressure? He understands pressure because he's lived through it. His way of dealing with it was to get out, get away from people, get by himself, and get into the presence of God. That's not only an example for us to follow, it's a, a principle for us to just incorporate in our lives. The second thing I want you to see is that he also lived with a sense of purpose in his life. Jesus lived with a tremendous sense of purpose. Several times in the gospel, Jesus stated what his purpose was. For example, in John 10.10, 10, he said, My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. To give life and give it in abundance. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that 
which is lost. And then over in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In Luke 4, 43, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Why? Because for this purpose I have been sent. And then in today's text, in verse 38, he said, Let us go into the next town. Why? That I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. I I love that little phrase, for this purpose I have come forth. You know, it, it shows us that Jesus had a sense of purpose in his life. And it told him where to go. That sense of purpose told him what he was to do. You see, that, that sense of purpose in his life defined his priorities, his goals, his schedule, his itinerary. That's what a sense of purpose does. I, I call God's sense of purpose for our lives kind of our, our GPS. It keeps us lined up where we should go. It keeps us going in the right direction. It helps you define your goals, your priorities, your schedule, your itinerary. He knew what he came to do. And he did what he came to do. He didn't get sidetracked all the time. In fact, Luke chapter 4 verse 2 says that the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. You know, this is a situation where Jesus was with a group of people that really loved him. They wanted him to be with them. They wanted him to stay there for years if they could. And he loved them as well. And undoubtedly, from his perspective, he would have loved to have just stayed and ministered to them and had a great life with them, except he knew what his purpose was. And he knew what he had come to do, and so he knew that he couldn't stay. In Matthew 17, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up onto the what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, and his robes suddenly became dazzling white. And there among them appeared Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. I mean, that was an incredible moment. It would have been wonderful to just camp out there. In fact, Peter blurted out, Lord, this is wonderful. Lord, this is so neat. If you want to, I'll make three shrines. I'll make one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. It would have been wonderful to stay there on that mountaintop experience forever bask in the glory of God. But Jesus knew what his purpose was. He knew what he had come to do, and he knew that he couldn't stay there as wonderful as it was. Jesus knew his purpose, and he lived it to the extent that he was able to connect the decisions that he made to the purpose that he had been given. You see, the people had invited him to stay with them. But he said, I need to go to these other cities and towns for this purpose I've come forth. That's what a sense of purpose will do in your life. It helps you determine where you need to go and what you need to do. Now, I want to ask you, how many of you really have a, a purpose for your life? You know exactly what you should be doing with your life. You've worked that out. And you know, you don't have to wait until you're a senior adult to do that. I would encourage you. Even as you're a a high school student, junior high, you can figure out what your sense of purpose is at this point in your life. You know, most people 
When they're asked to define their purpose, have a tendency to answer it in vague and lofty terms. The idea, though, is to be able to state your purpose in such a way that it helps you to, uh, to define where you should go and what you should do, but also where you shouldn't go and what you shouldn't do. Let me kind of share just personally how this has worked out in my life. My purpose over the last 45 years has been to teach and to preach and to spread the gospel through uh, what I say and what I write. And so that helps me, and it's helped me to determine what my purpose in life is, my priorities, my goals, my schedule, my itinerary. It also helps me to determine my budget and where I'm going to spend, what funds I have as well. Now, I, I love to preach, I love to do what I'm doing, but I also love to play golf. And so I, I golf whenever I can. But I know that my primary calling in life is not to be a golfer. So I don't spend a whole lot of money on expensive equipment. I don't spend hours and hours every week practicing putting and pitching and chipping and, and driving. My relationship to golf is secondary, not primary. And knowing this helps me determine how much time and money I'm going to spend on golf. Sermon preparation, pastoring, on the other hand, has been a big part of God's mission in my life. And therefore, it's been a big part of the way I schedule my life and what I do. Knowing your purpose in life helps you organize your time. It helps you define your priorities. It helps you set your goals and your schedule and your itinerary. And we see this in Jesus' life. It's an example of what we need to do. So, I want to ask you this morning, if someone said to you, just in a statement, define your purpose in life, can you do it? And if so, uh, is your purpose helping you to define and direct your priorities, goals, and schedules and itinerary? By the way, even if you can't define your purpose, I can tell you what it is very simple. Take a look at what you do with your time. Take a look at what your priorities are. Take a look at your schedule and, and, and so forth. Put those all together, and you know what? It will tell you what your purpose is in life. But there's another thing about Jesus' lifestyle that I want us to see this morning. He knew where to draw the line. He knew where to draw the line. You know, Jesus has been called a man for others, and rightfully so. But he never let others tell him who to be. Or what to do. No one told Jesus how to fulfill his purpose in life. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't try. As we saw in today's story, Simon told Jesus that everyone was looking for him. As if that should dictate what Jesus would do with his time. The crowd had an idea where he should be. And it certainly wasn't out there in some mountaintop. They thought that he should be with them. Attending to their needs. Meeting their needs. Doing a healing work in their lives. In fact, Luke 4, 42 says, And the crowd sought him, came to him, and tried to keep him from leaving. And in today's text, verses 36 and 37, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they finally found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now, maybe I'm reading something into this text, but it seems that the implication is that his disciples expected Jesus to be with the people, not out there alone praying. 
in other places in the Gospels, we see people trying to tell Jesus how to do his job. For example, when Lazarus was sick, and when that woman anointed his feet with oil, when Jesus, was told, when Jesus told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and die, Jesus never lacked for opinions from others. But I want you to see that even though Jesus came to serve other people, he didn't let anyone's needs, requests, expectations, the other people's opinions or their demands dictate how he spent his time and how he organized his life. Oh, absolutely. He was a servant. He gave his life for them, but he didn't surrender his identity to them. He didn't let anyone control him. He knew where to draw the line. You know, every person in ministry needs to learn this lesson. In fact, whether you're in full-time ministry or you've ever been in, quote, professional ministry or, or you've ever been in ministry of any sort, just raise your hand right now. How many of you have ever done something in ministry in your life? A, a, a number of you. Exactly. You don't have to be old to be doing that. But, but it kind of works like this at times. You try to get the, alone and spend some time with God, and they'll come pounding on your door. Hey, where are you? Everyone's looking for you. Aren't you supposed to be out here helping others? What are, what are you doing? You're on vacation again? Didn't you forget that you have a job? And others will come along and say, you need to spend more time with us, and you need to be involved in this ministry, and you need to be involved in that ministry, and, and so on. When it comes to, to handling the expectations of others, every person in ministry needs to learn how to draw the line. And by the way, and I can say this because I, I'm not the guy who's going to be involved, and I can share this with you, but church members, every one of you needs to understand that line exists in the expectations that you have of your new pastor. You need to understand that he has to be able to draw the line as well. Whoever God has lined up for you, you need to remember this in your relationship with him. You see, Jesus didn't let anyone else control him, not even those he came to serve. He knew where to draw the line. And the truth is, every one of you, everyone sitting here today needs to know the same thing about your life as well. At work, your boss has a right for certain expectations in your life. That's just part of being an employee. But you've got to know where to draw the line, or else your job will own you. It'll eat you alive. And your spouse has a right to certain expectation. That's part of being married. But you've got to know, even in a marriage relationship, where to draw the line. Because as sacred as a marriage relationship is, your spouse doesn't own you. And the same goes with your children and with your parents, with your friends and your church and your ministry. You've got to know where to draw the line. So we are called to be a servant. In fact, whatever your purpose is in life is for the benefit of other people. You are a servant. But how you live out your servanthood is ultimately between you and God. You can't let others control you, define you. You've got to know 
in your relationship with God, where to draw the line. And this is what we see in the life of Jesus. It's an example of what we need to not only follow, but to incorporate into our lives as well. So, so how do you put all this together? When you take a close look at Jesus' life, there's one word that just kind of jumps out. Balance. Balance. Jesus led a perfectly balanced life. In fact, he balanced solitude with servitude. He balanced living for others with living for God. He gave up his life for others, but he didn't give up his identity for others. He did what he came to do, and nothing got in his way from doing that. That's what he's challenging every one of us to do today. If you want to experience the fulfillment that comes from living the life that God has called you to live, then you need to put your life together the same way that Jesus did. Spend some time alone with God. Jesus needed the strength that comes from spiritual solitude, and I'll guarantee you, every one of you do as well. And then, live with a sense of purpose. Jesus' God-given mission defined his priorities, his goal, his schedule, his itinerary. God has a purpose for every one of you. And God's purpose, like I said, is like God's GPS in your life. It'll keep you headed in the right direction. And then you've got to know where to draw the line. Jesus served others, but he didn't surrender to their will. He surrendered to God's will. When you spend time alone with God, when you let your God-given purpose in life define your priorities, your goals, your schedule, etc., and when you learn to draw the line, you'll not only live a life of balance, you'll be able to handle the pressures that come into your life. But let, let me share something about how to pull this together. It's something that has helped me over the years. You know, if I were to ask you, well, what are your priorities? You know, the, the right thing to say is God, family, marriage, wife, husband, whatever, my family, then work or school or whatever it may be, and, and so forth. We have it worked out. The problem is, it doesn't always work out that way. I believe that, that God is understanding. And he, he wants us to be wise in what we do with our time and so forth. I learned that there were times in my ministry when, when I needed to take time away from the family because I had some ministry things to do. But there were also some times when I needed to set my ministry aside and my main ministry was to my family and to my wife. And there were times when, when God said, you know, you need to adjust all that, and you need to just get away and go out and play golf. You see, God understands, and, and we need to learn how to balance that. I, I'm, uh, my, my personality is not that I get uh, going to depression had depression for a very short period of time at one point in my ministry, and I, I didn't understand what was going on. And uh, my, my wife understood what was happening, and she said, Larry, what you need to do is we need to go out and have a steak dinner. That solved my problem right there. But I'm just a shallow guy. That's where it was. But I understand because I've dealt with a lot of people in this whole depression thing. But, but what I'm saying is you need to be flexible. And here's a good deal, friends. God, God isn't trying to put you in a box. 
And he's not saying, well, you have to spend X number of hours doing this. And if you're really a solid spiritual Christian, you'll do that. No, he's saying, look, balance it out. And, and uh, I, I want to encourage you, if you're in school, what's, what's your main priority during the school year? School, right? Now, some of us haven't figured that out, but I think that's probably what it is. So, so that means you've got to take and say, okay, I'm going to adjust some of my date life and some of my other stuff, and I'm going to put time in here. But when summer comes and you have time to get away, man, I, I'm going on a short vacation this week. And you know what I told the staff? I said, when I leave on Monday, I'm not going to think about you at all. I said, that's it, man. I'm thinking... I'm going to zero on on this. And, and, and that's what you need to do with your life. Find the balance. Jesus wants you to enjoy life. How many of you would rather be happy than sad? Absolutely. And that's what he wants for all of us, to live that kind of life. In fact, Jesus said, come to me, all you who have some kind of a burden in your life. You're dealing with something. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden... And I will give you rest. I'm just going to help you get your act together. And then he said, take my yoke upon you. And we need to understand that. He's saying, I don't want you to have to do this by yourself. I want you to just hook up with me, and we're going to do it together. I'm going to give you the strength and help that you need. And and he said, and I'll take care of you. And I want to just encourage you today, whoever you are today, whether you're younger or a little more mature like some of us, Whatever pressures you're dealing with, the Lord wants to help you get through them. And uh, I think it's wonderful in this service, the way you end it. I, I, I just think it's great to have that special time of ministry where you can just take some time and come and kneel at the altar and just share your needs or your, your blessings with the Lord or... Come over, and you may have a special prayer concern, and you can fill out a a little paper there and fold it up and tag it onto that hope wall. And know that this week, someone is going to take those and share them with a group that's going to be praying for them. And to know that. Or to come over and and, uh, share over here with a group who is there who just are saying, Hey, we would love to pray with you. And it's not because... We're above you spiritually. We're with you. We're on the same team, on the same page, and we just want to pray with you. And there's kind of safety in numbers, and I'd encourage you to do that. Or you want to just share in communion. What a wonderful thing, where you draw close to the Lord and just allow His presence to fill you. Or, you know, some people look at the candle thing and say, oh, man, we're going Catholic. Well, you know... How many of you know Catholics aren't bad? I, I have a lot of friends who are, are, are little nuns in the Catholic Church. And I'll tell you, I love for them to pray for me. And they, we can learn from each other. And, and just the, a tool to remember someone in prayer and just go over and light a candle. And just, it's a tool to get closer to God. So whatever you want to do, we want you to feel free to do it. No pressure. You can just stay right where you are, whatever. But we want you to just take some time right now and just 
reflect on what we shared, but also just commit yourself and your needs to the Lord. Because remember, Jesus is here. And I just see him standing with his arms wide open and saying, come on. Just come up and I'm going to put my arms around you and just give you a big hug and let you know I love you. I care for you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Holy Spirit, just come. Fill this place again with your presence. I pray that you'd encourage each one here today. And no matter who we are, what we've been through, what we've dealt with, what's happened in our lives, we thank you. You just always receive us. And so we want to come and just minister to you as well as you ministering to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.